You are listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 172 with my very special guest today, Steve Rosen. Now, Steve has a new book coming out called Tone Chaser, which is about his 26-year journey with Eddie Van Halen. Now, if you don't know who Steve is, he used to be a a journalist for the magazines Guitar Player, Guitar World, lots of different magazines over the years, and he first met Eddie back in 1977. So he really got to know Eddie quite well and had a very close relationship with him, which you'll be able to hear throughout today's podcast. So this book is going to be amazing. The the stories he's got, the the clips he already has on his YouTube channel, which you can check out in the, the link in the show notes. Some amazing interviews there, some really good interviews on the, the YouTube channel, as well as other guests as well. Now, if you would like to order Steve's book, again, the all the information is in the show notes. So basically, there's, there's different prices for people in the US, Australia, and the European countries as well. So it just comes down to the different freight in different parts of the world. Totally going to be worth it, no matter what you pay. So I know I'm excited. I can't wait to get this book. And I hope you all enjoy this interview. And don't forget to follow Steve on Instagram and subscribe to his YouTube channel as well. So again, thank you to my sponsors, Arnold Krakowka and Custom Katapics. So let's go over the interview now with Steve Rosen to find out all about this new, amazing book, Tone Chaser. It's been a long time coming, this book. I mean, some of you may know and and you may know adam um back in 85 when i was kind of hanging out with ed i i asked him uh if i could write his biography um i mean i knew there were going to be other writers who wanted to do that and i thought i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna ask him this question and he said yes Mm. yeah man I, i can't think of anybody else to do it so we actually signed a simple contract and there's actually a copy. I, I still have that contract. There's a copy of that in the book, which I think will be pretty interesting for people to yeah. see. And I started doing interviews. So I was interviewing, you know, musicians he had played with. You know, this is going back, you know, to the early days. Um, uh, Mark Stone, some of the people in the early iterations of Van Halen, um, guys who were promoting those early Van Halen shows, you know, the band members themselves, Mike and, and Dave and Alex. And for about four years, I was working on the book. Every so often, I'd ask Edward, hey, man, I need to sit down with you, and we need to do some interviews for the book. I'd interviewed Ed, of course, for those Guitar World stories that maybe some of, some of you had read. And I'd interviewed him, you know, for foreign magazines. I was writing for Player and Japanese magazines and European magazines. And they were running a lot of those interviews. But I needed to sit down with him and to do the kind of interviews that, that were going to provide the content that, that weren't in the interviews you were going to see in the magazine. I wanted to know what it was like for him growing up in Amsterdam and, you know, man, did you have a lot of friends? Were you a popular kid? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was the relationship like in your family and you and Alex? And did you really start drinking when you were 12 and 13 and smoking? And, you know, all those things that, that, you know, I think everybody wanted to know. And I could never get him to commit to that. And he'd always tell me, well, you know, man, a, a book really comes out on, on an artist when his career is over. I go, no, Ed, that, that's not it at all. I go, you know, people want to know about this and it, it only adds to your legacy. It doesn't detract. Yeah. And I could just never get him over that hump. So at a point in time, I just let the book go, you know, to, to keep asking him was ridiculous you know and i didn't want to make him feel uncomfortable and i didn't want didn't want to put myself um out there so i let it go um he and i remained friends until 2003 and then uh, we parted ways and um you can kind of read about that in the book but it was just a kind of a series of misunderstandings and to this day i'm really not quite sure what happened Mm -hmm. and for about um 17 years I just let it go. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I thought from time to time, maybe I should revisit, revisit the book. 
mm-hmm. and, and, and write this book. And, and it wouldn't be the same book. You know, Ed, Ed wouldn't be involved, but I, I thought it still had a lot of merit. And, uh, you know, I could just never quite get myself together enough or I, I couldn't find the impetus or the passion to do it. And then um, 2020, on my birthday, August 24th, something hit me and I said, you know what, I'm just going to start putting down some ideas. And I, I did that and, and I really I didn't know where it was going to go. And, you, you know, I mean, I, support, I suppose in the back of my mind, there was the thought of a book. But I didn't know if I would ever finish it. And as much as anything else, I, I almost just wanted to write it for myself, you know, to, 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 to get all that stuff out there. And I kept writing. And, and kind of 14, 14 hard months later, um, I had finished the book. Just four or five days ago, uh, I started pre-orders. And that's kind of where we are now. Um, I'm self, self-publishing the book. And I hope to have physical copies in my hand. You know, I, the, the timeline varies. And I've kind of said anywhere from March, April, May, or June, you know, I'm yeah. somewhere in there. Um, it takes about six or seven weeks to print a book. I didn't know it took that long. Yeah, I, I finished the book. And I was really happy with what I'd done. Um, it was a really, really hard book to write. In fact, it was a, an insanely difficult book to write. But I think it's really honest, and I think it will give somebody the sense of what it was like being friends with this guitar player who was, you know, changing the world of, of electric guitar. And, um, yeah, so long answer to a short question. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but I think I saw in another interview, it might have been on the Dave and Dave Unchained, where you spoke about it's actually going to be a very thick book as well. A thick book? <laughs> Yeah, man, like eight inches thick. No, I'm kidding. No, yeah, the book. I, sh- I kept writing, and you know, you write in Word, and you see a you can see a word count. So I was up to you know eighty five thousand words, and I'm at one hundred twenty five thousand words, and I'm at one hundred fifty thousand words, and I realized I was nowhere near being done. Yeah. And most bios, most music bios you read probably run somewhere around one hundred fifty thousand, one hundred seventy five thousand words. Um, and I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I, I should, you know, I should cut it back. Or, or there's parts that I really don't need to include. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not writing for anybody. I, I, I need to put everything in there. And then maybe I'll go back and, and excise those parts that, that, that don't fit or I think aren't important. Mm-hmm. And I got done with it. And I was at like 250,000 words, which is about twice the length of most music bios. And yeah, I've talked to the printer and they said, yeah, you know, 500, which translates into about 500 pages, 500 pages in a six by nine format. And that's pretty much the standard format. You know, if you go to your bookstore and you look at music bios, most of them are six by nine. Um, uh, So a six by nine book, 500 pages. Yeah, they said could could weigh between three and four pounds. Well, if you pick up a four-pound book, man, that's like a massive coffee table book, you know, oversized. I mean, that that's how much this book is going to weigh. Yeah. And I think they said, yeah, it could be like, you know, maybe two inches wide, which is extremely wide. And then I thought, well, my God, I don't want people to look at this like it's some kind of a, you know, never-ending you know, a book that meanders or like some kind of a textbook length thing. But at the end of the day, everything that I left in there, I I really felt deserved to be in there. And I I just didn't, there's just nothing that I could could omit and and still tell the full story and be honest about it. So yeah, man, it's a big book. (laughs) Um, You know, it's going to take you a while to read. And and my hopes at the end of the day are, are, are again, that you have this sense of what it was like sitting there on, on, on a couch in my Hollywood Hills home with Ed three feet away playing guitar and showing you riffs and me somehow finding the, the, the courage to play guitar in front of him, you know, and going up to 5150 and hanging out and actually playing guitars with him and, you know, going to NAM shows with him and, and flying on airplanes with him and, and going to Guitar Center and buying him a set of guitar strings because he didn't have $10 on him. Oh, wow. 
which to my mind is just the fact that he didn't have $10 on him. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, he didn't have $10 and he needed to borrow $10. But the fact that he ran out of guitar strings at 5150 is like, it, it, it's so mind blowing. It's like, yeah. how, how, how can that even be possible? I mean, you know, I'm surrounded by this gear, you know, I'm surrounded by every microphone and, and, and up, piece of outboard gear and this unbelievable deck, you know, um, desk and, you know, his, all his guitars and, you know, his effects. And he goes to look, you know, cause he wants to change strings on his specific guitar and he doesn't have a set of guitars. <laughs> you know, he has 8,000 guitars and they're all strung, but this one guitar doesn't have a set of strings. So we drive down in his Lamborghini to the local guitar center and he walks in and he goes, Oh man, I don't have 10 bucks. I brought 10 bucks. After we've come from his $18 million studio <laughs> in his $400,000 Countach, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. it, it's so inane that it's just so beautiful. You know what I mean? It just really says who he is, you know, yeah. I, I need a set of guitar strings. I'm going to go buy them. You know, I'm not going to go have somebody else get them. I'm not going to take them off another guitar. I'm not going to play another guitar. Yeah. I'm going to go buy them. You know, so those moments had to be included. And there's dozens of other moments like that, that I think are just, really fantastic oh i can imagine i yeah. mean i know i've seen your youtube videos as well your of your cassette tapes where you're sitting down with eddie and just some of those are, they're amazing like the the way he's just sitting there playing you like you know the songs coming up from van halen too um just on the electric unplugged and i think wow that must have been a huge experience for you to experience that that was pretty unbelievable the first time he came over and and he did that the fact that he brought a guitar i thought this is freaking unbelievable that he would bring a guitar, you know, um, because obviously one of the first things I'd want for him to do is I play, I play guitar, you know, in my fashion, I play, um, you know, so I had a couple of guitars there and I made sure that I had them knowing before he came over and I write about this in the book at length, but knowing that he came over, so I kind of had them on stands kind of, you know, right there where he couldn't miss them, you know, so, uh, you know, thinking, Oh, he's going to see a guitar and he, his natural instinct would be to go pick one up. But yeah, man, he starts playing those riffs, you know, um, to all those songs. And, and, and then, you know, when the record comes out and to, to hear those songs in their, in their fullest glory, it, it was just a, a really re remarkable thing because as he's playing them for me, you know, I mean, I, I was watching him play, which was extraordinary in and of itself, but he would sometimes, you know, you know, pause or he'd, He'd talk about something or I'd ask him about something and, and just the way, you know, to hear him talk about that, you know, to understand how he approached things um, compositionally and as an orchestrator, um, which we sometimes overlook because of his, you know, remarkable talents as a guitar player, yeah. but his, you know, his sense of arrangement as a songwriter was so unbelievable. And I, I never, I don't think he ever thought about sort of verse, you know, B section, you yeah. know, pre-chorus, chorus, verse, B section, solo, you know, reprise. I, I, I just think that Ed, Ed wrote, you know, and, and whatever arrangement came out, that's what it was. So, yes, watching him play that stuff was amazing. You know, hearing him explain that stuff yeah. was amazing. And, you know, he, he'd do some little thing. I go, how'd, how'd you do that? You know, I remember there's a conversation we had, um, you know, about his hammer-ons. Yep. And, you know, he would he would just do them so effortlessly. And, you know, so I'd sit there and try and do them. And I'm not a horrible guitar player, you know, but I was good enough to kind of play those. But I, I played them and I'd play them. And he goes, no, you're doing it backwards. <laughs> and and the fact that he could hear it and know what I was doing. And he, and he goes, no, you know, it's, it's got to be a da-da-da-da-da. And, and so he hit the accent, you know, where it's like the first – he was accenting on the one, I was accenting on the three because that was an easier way to play it, you yeah. know. But to hear him have such an absolute mastery and knowledge of every lick that he did and why he did it and how he did it, that that to me was mind-blowing. I've talked to a lot of guitar players during my career. I mean, fantastically gifted guitar players. And a lot of them probably had that self-awareness of what they did but I, I think a lot of them just kind of did it, you know, and I don't yeah. think they could really explain to you why they did it. Um, so, yeah, so being in those moments when he was playing, 
um, and watching him and then having him explain those things, um, I, it, it was remarkable. I mean, I, I was really lucky to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that all comes down to, yeah. like you were saying about his, his ear for music is just out of this world. Like, you know, growing up doing all those classical pieces uh, without having the music there, then going on to do his own guitar style pretty much, uh, making his own guitars, equipment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're all aware that, you know, Ed made his own guitars, but, but beyond that, the fact that Ed made his own guitars and played his own guitars, mm. I mean, that is, that is an extraordinary thing. And I was trying to think, and in the book, I talk about this. So now, or, you know, when, when, you know, maybe the last 10, maybe even 20 years, you know, you have guys sort of making their own guitars. I mean, they're, they're, they're typically working with a company and it's a signature guitar and maybe it's, you know, kind of pickups that they've rewound or certain kind of necks they like, you know, did, did they really sit there and make the necks or, or, you know, shape the necks the way they wanted or, or hollow out the bodies or put in the frets or put on the tuning heads, attach the, the tremolo bars. I don't know. But back in the day, you know, back in the 70s when they was making these guitars, I mean, I was really hard pressed to think of any other guitar players who had made their own guitars, not only made them, but played them. And the only people I could think of, um, and funny enough, Ed had relationships with both of these people, and I talk about that in the book, um, were Brian May and Les Paul. Mm. Um, I know Les Paul famously with his Les Pauls, of course, and you know Brian May with his, um, you know, his red guitar that he made with his dad. Yeah. But I mean, I couldn't think of other guitar players who were making their own guitars. I mean, if we think of some of those guitar players um, of that era, and there were some fantastic, fantastic guitar players. You know, I mean, you know, George Lynch and Rusty Anderson, who, you know, later went on to play with Paul McCartney, who was an incredible guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of those other players, uh, you were playing those bands along the Sunset Strip. I mean, they, they might have been playing, been playing modified guitars. Maybe, you know, maybe they had put in some new pickups, but none of them were, you know, sanding guitars and painting them. So, yeah, the fact that he made his own guitars, played his own guitars, was able to hear this thing in his head, which he famously called the brown sound, and was able to fashion these guitars in a way to recreate that sound he was hearing in his head. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's such an ethereal concept. It's like, yeah, he was hearing this brown sound, and if I put the one humbucker here, with the vibrato bar and the neck is here, and I put these kinds of frets in and this kind of wood. I, I mean, that to me is a, a process so complex, it's, it's, it's hard to even imagine. Because he could have put together the greatest guitar that played great and could have sounded like shit. <laughs> and it could have sounded like nothing like what he wanted it to sound like. Yeah. <clears throat> but to be able to sculpt that and isolate those sounds and get them out of the guitar and then find the amp and doing what he was doing to amps and replacing tubes or his attenuator or whatever he was, was doing, you know, uh, to me is, if that's not genius, I, I really don't know what is. So it, it, it was pretty unbelievable. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and actually even going yeah. back, back to those tapes on the, the YouTube ones, you can just hear like when he's playing with you and you're just talking about the songs, you can hear the friendship you guys had in, in those interviews, like just the way he's just opening up, you know, about playing the riffs, uh, just other little things. You guys must have a very close friendship. Well, I mean, I, I, I think we really did, you know. And for a long time, I would think after, actually actually while we were still friends, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit this, and I write a little bit about this also in the book, is, well, why why me? Why was it me, Edward, that, that, you found this person who that you could be a friend with. And I mean, there's no real answer for that. I mean, the truth is, why do we, why do you, why do the people listening become friends with the people who become our friends? I mean, who knows what that is? I mean, there's probably some um, common factors here. I mean, you know, you share an interest, you know, you, you live in the same area, maybe you work at the same place. Um, you know, you both play guitar, you both like to drive fast, you know, so I mean, there's some common things that, that, that probably bring you together. But at the end of the day, what keeps you together as friends 
um, you know, I really think is this, um, I think it's an unspoken, unknown thing. So for the longest time, I mean, I would ask myself that question, why me? And then I thought, well, why not me? You know, I was a music journalist. I mean, I, I, I knew a fair amount about music. I knew about guitar players. Um, I understood them. I knew how to talk to them. I had spoken to tons of guitar players before meeting Edward, you know, heavy guys, you know, uh, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and John McLaughlin, Blackmore, uh, uh, John Entwistle, Joe Walsh. Mm. I mean, there were dozens of them. And I, I, I just understood how these guys work somehow. And I, I think Ed sensed in me a sympathetic ear. You know, I, I think he felt secure with me. I wasn't going to hurt him. I, I don't mean physically because he could have kicked the shit out of me. I mean, I wasn't going to hurt him by divulging something he might say to me, you know, off record or, or you know, when the tape was running but wasn't meant for human ears. Um, and it was true. I, I would never do that. And I never did that. And, you know, he said lots of things to me that I, I, I never told anybody, which has since come out in the book because I think I, I think people – will be amazed by some of the things he said and that's who he was. So yeah, I, I think we were close friends. I think we were really close friends. Um, and we shared some amazing times and, you know, there were some sad times and he'd gone through some sad times and there were times when I was depressed and woe was me. And he was always, he was always this, um, incredibly. And, and I, I suppose that's kind of where the, uh, title of the book comes from this understanding soul. I, I use that title sort of on two levels. So one, it's understanding Edward as in me understanding Edward yeah. as the people reading the book, understanding Edward. And the other side of that is understanding Edward, understanding as an adjective of Edward, like he was an understanding soul. He was a you know sympathetic Edward and yeah. he truly was. I mean, he was an extraordinarily patient guy um, you know, an understanding guy, and he never made me feel small or or insecure. You know, and I, I loved him for that. Um, so yeah, I, I think we were good friends. At the end, it, it did fall apart, and that hurt. And I was really resentful of Ed for a long time about that. And um, I write about that as well. So yeah, I was going to ask you. So you do yeah. write about yeah, that in the book as well uh, about about what happened at the end. Yeah. I, I I did, and and, and I, I I don't want to give that away. No, no. <laughs> you, you know, if the book was out and people had read about it, I, I would love to talk about it because I really do want to talk about it. Yeah. It it, it just Edward Edward changed. There was a change in him that was palpable, and I tried to figure that out and tried to understand where that came from. And I posit some theories in the book about what I think happened. Um, I could be entirely wrong. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe Ed just grew tired of the friendship. I really don't think that's the case. Um, I think he was going through some changes. But, yeah, it ended in two, 2003, and it was um, it was pretty shocking and um yeah, really hurtful to me. So yeah. for the rest of that, you know, you got to read the book. That's right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, going back to the, um, I think it's the Dave and Dave podcast that you're on. I think they asked you about, you know, what's the difference between this book, you know, compared to these books. But I guess it's like what you're talking about. It's really your friendship you had with him and all these stories that you had and sharing all these experiences. These guys would have had that same experience. I mean, like you're saying, they're great books, these ones. But I think that's what's really going to make your book different compared to everyone else's. Well, I mean, I, I really think so. And I've read Brad's book. And um, Brad has been really good to me. You know, when he was editor of Guitar World, I was able to actually get a, uh, an interview with Ed. And um, I told him, hey, man, I want a lot of money for this. And he didn't blink an eye. You know, he always supported his writers. And in the book, uh, you know, he reached out to me and, and he really very kind of kindly used some of my stuff, which I was very honored and gave me, you know, 
credit for that, which is incredibly cool of him. And Paul did the same thing. He, he wrote a, a kudo, a thank you to me that honestly makes me blush. In fact, Paul, if you're listening, I've been trying to reach out to you and I can't find you to, to thank you. But um, yeah, I mean, that is a difference. The, both those, you know, Brad and, and um, uh, Chris uh, and, and, and Paul, th- th- those guys are, they're, they're superb writers. Mm. I mean, they're, they're far more school than I am. I, I mean, they're, they're excellent writers, they're excellent interviewers. Their books are, are amazing. Um, you, you know, I mean, I mean, I think you get a sense of who Ed is through those interviews. But I guess at the end of the day, you know, when they shut off the microphone, they they went back home or flew back home. You know, when I shut off the microphone, Ed and I were hanging out and drinking or, you know, doing something crazy. I mean, yeah, I, I was there with Ed in those moments that, that no other writer was. I, I've tried to capture all of that. And it's a really difficult thing to do, you know, to try to translate to try to translate one, my memory of stuff that happened. I first met Ed in, um, uh, I think it was June. I don't have the book in front of me, June or July of 77 at the whiskey. Yep. So we're going back. What is it? Is it 40, whatever yeah. my math is, you know, yeah. over 40 years. So one is trying to remember the memory. What, what was that like? You know, what was it like when I walked upstairs and I shook hands with this guy, Edward Van Halen for the first time. And what did I feel? And, how was Ed standing, you know, and I know he was smoking. Mm-hmm. I remember that clearly, you know, and what did he say and how did he act, you know, and was he, you know, smug or was he cool, you know, so try to remember all of that, you know, and then if there was an interview tape that I had, you know, a tape of some sort to document the, the, the moment, listening to the tape and thinking, okay, listen to how Ed's talking, you know, somebody reading the book, aren't going to be able to hear his tone of voice. So I need to express, yeah. explain what his tone of voice is. And Ed's, you know, talking in an, in an, in an incredulous tone of voice or excited or sad, you know, so being able to convey that and, and my response and how Edward would repeat a phrase. So it, it, it's all those things. It, it's the little pieces as well as the bigger pieces, those experiences that I had yeah. that other writers didn't have that sets my book apart. Um, not saying it's any better than theirs. It's just different. Yeah. And in fact, I know that it's different than any other Van Halen book that's ever been out there uh, because no one ever had that experience of hanging out with Ed like that. Um, so, mm. yeah. And, and I hope, I hope people get that because it's, it's, you know, what happens after the microphone is shut off and the lights go up and, mm. You know, everybody's kind of being real honest about it, you know, and, and I include those moments and some of them aren't, they're not beautiful, great friend moments, but, but they, they are honest, you know, so, mm. yeah. So I know you've got the, the, the two interviews on your YouTube channel with uh, Eddie. So you must have a lot of tapes, do you, that where you got the, all the information for the book from as well? I went through and I... I got all my tapes together and there were god i don't know man must have been 20 or 30 tapes there were a lot i've always sort of fancied myself as kind of a decent sort of archivist and you know i i strive to label a tape and put the date on it well man there were these van halen tapes and all it said was edward van halen and there was no date so as I'm going through the book, which is chronological, I, I, you know, as some of the stuff was, was labeled. So I know that, okay, you know, 78, I know that's the first interview, you know, and there's one seventy nine. but then there's like three or four tapes that aren't labeled that could, they could have been, you know, 81, 85, you know, so I'd have to kind of listen to one until <laughs> he would say something or I would say yeah. something that would trigger the time period. Um, oh yeah, man! The new uh, you know women and children, children first record. Ah, it's that you know it's you know. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I get like you know three quarters you know through a tape before I go. Oh fuck! That's that's when that happened, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were a lot of tapes that I went through. What I also am really proud of are what I have called the twilight tapes, 
there was this one binder of tapes that I had. And I used to keep my tapes like in these little, you know, like these little plastic binders that would fold out. You know, I had like the little cutouts for yep. um, 16 cassettes, like eight cassettes on each side. Uh -huh. So I had a bunch of binders, you know, and I had stuff cataloged and, you know, binder, you know, 46 tape, uh, uh, you know, 947 mm -hmm. Van Halen, 1984. So I had those, but, I, but as I was going through stuff, I saw this, black binder and it was like almost torn in half like this the spine was almost torn in half i go i i didn't remember what they were and it was kind of it was kind of dusty i opened it up you know i'm looking at it and one of them said um r-e-l period and i go and i'm looking there's some other cryptic writing and i and i see edward talking about something and i go what the hell you know, and I honestly didn't know what they were. This binder had not been open, yeah. you know, maybe for centuries. I mean, it, it was like, it was ancient, man. Wow. So I took out a tape and I put it on and he's talking about something. He's talking about Valerie or he's talking about something. Like, oh my God, that's what these tapes are. Whenever, when I was talking with Ed, I said, Ed, is it okay if I roll tape? Whenever I'm talking to you or on on the phone or something, because man, I don't care. You record anything you want. So he would call a lot of times, and it would always be late at night. It was always like one in the morning or it was three in the morning. That's just where he lived, you know. And yeah. and you know what was keeping him up? I mean, I don't know, man. He, he just he was just always he was always awake late at night. So whenever the phone rang, I knew it was Ed, and I'd press. I press record. Yeah. I kind of have the, you know, the the cassette player kind of nearby, and you know, back in the day, I mean, it was so archaic. I used literally, it was like a five dollar cassette player, and it, it, the the microphone plugged in, you know, with like a little quarter inch jack, and then back in the day of receivers, you plug in this this thing, or maybe the receiver. It was like a little suction thing that would actually adhere to the, uh, you know, the piece up here where his voice was coming out. Right. Needless to say, the quality wasn't exactly broadcast quality. Yeah. So anyway, I was looking and I realized, my God, there were about 15 of these tapes that were, that were unbelievable. You know, they were him talking about, uh, you know, his relationship with Valerie, you know, after it kind of fallen apart. Um, he talks about Wolfgang. For the, and, and I know it's the first time he'd ever talked about Wolfgang because uh, the tape was dated. Um, this tape was dated 2001. So it's probably near near the end of our friendship, actually. Mm. 2002. Wolfie was 11. I think Wolfie was born in 91. Um, and uh, he's talking about Wolfie. And I know he had never talked to another writer about this. I mean, I... No, yeah. I mean, I know he did, you know. And he said, yeah, check this out. And he's playing me this tape that he had of Wolfie playing drums. Oh, wow. And it was unbelievable. The guy did sound like John Bonham. They said, does a guy sound like John Bonham? And he's talking all about Wolfie, and Wolfie wants to play guitar. You know, he's talking about, um, again, his divorce. He's talking about his mother. He's talking about Alex. I, I mean, cool. this stuff was just amazing. And I know why it went on these tapes that I never listened to because this is stuff that I never, I, I never would have let this stuff get out. Yeah. And this stuff is extraordinary. To my mind, it's, it's, it says more about Edward almost than my interview, you know, the, the, the actual, you know, yeah. organized interviews for the magazines do. Um, I mean, those interviews are still amazing, yeah. but, but this stuff, I think people will just be blown away by. Mm. And again, I thought a long time about, do I kind of include this in the book? And I went back and forth. At the end of the day, I said, I, I, I think it, it deserves to belong in there. Yeah. You know, Ed, Ed gave me the, the right to record anything. And, you know, it's not like I, I've tried to use it in any kind of dark-hearted way. I, I, I think it, it says a lot about him. Um, and I think it will make people even love him more than more than they already do. So, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. That's incredible <laughs> to find those tapes. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, some of this stuff is really, really amazing. Some of it's pretty heartbreaking. Yeah.
yeah. Um, but but I mean, some of it is. Um, I mean, it's it, it, it's overwhelming. It really is. Yeah. So pretty much with your one, I know it's starting 1977 up to 2003. And I guess from there, we really go into uh, Andrew Bennett's book where it's like 2004, 2007, I think, where his, his time with Eddie. Yeah. So it's great to have all these things documented. Yeah, I, I haven't, I, I've seen that book and I've heard about it. Uh, I know that he spent some time with Edward. It's funny because I didn't, not till many, many, many years later, to go back a bit, I never knew that, that Edward was ill. Mm. I never knew that he was sick like that. Um, you know, he never said anything to me. And there's no reason that he should have. I mean, something like that. You, you know, I, I mean, you, you, uh, you talk to your family. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I never knew he was sick. Those last 2000, 2000, he was diagnosed in 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. Though I felt he had been changing, like I said, he, he became this different person. He was, he had, in my mind, he was changing before that. I mean, he was, he changed a lot. I don't know where that came from. Um, but, you know, when he was diagnosed in 2000, I mean, there was a severe change in him. And I just mean that by then our relationship, had, it, it, it was in tatters sort of by then. I mean, he, he was not the same person. He didn't talk the same way. I don't mean that he talked um, as if he was in pain or, or you, you know, but but he, just just the way he talked and what he said was was entirely different. So I, I found out years later, you know, that that he did was diagnosed in 2000 with cancer. We our relationship broke up in 2003, and this book happened whatever that was 2004 2005. Mm. And, you know, um, you know, I've seen pictures of Ed and, and uh, you know, the way he looked and it was it was horrible. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think part of that maybe explains uh, part of that explains, I mean, his illness. My theory was it was his illness, his marriage. They were they were separated. There was no record deal there. You know, the band was kind of at a standstill. My theory and uh, my theory alone that that all kind of fell in on him, you know, and, and kind of resulted in, you know, those pictures of Ed we see with the, you know, samurai yeah. bun and looking disheveled. And, um, but uh, yeah, but but anyway, that, that that guy did spend some time with Ed. At the end of the day, uh, Ed was unhappy with something he shot or didn't shot. I don't know the exact story. Yeah. Uh, and I know that he... Um, you know, he pulled the video. I guess he was the guy was shooting, and so he turned it into this this book, uh, which I have not seen. Yeah, yeah it sounds yeah. like a similar type thing. How you're saying you're you know writing the book with Eddie, and then I think Andrew, like you're saying, is going to do that whole video documentary about the um, Eddie, but never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so he saw some of that. Uh, he saw some of that stuff. I mean, I know he's got some. I've heard people tell me that, you know, he had some stories to tell. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's sad. It's sad. Well, I mean, obviously it's, it's horrific that Ed, Ed got sick like that. And it's horrible, you know, what, what that resulted in for those, you know, few years there. I mean, he, you know, ultimately got it together. And, uh, you know, we can be thankful for that. Oh, for sure. So do you have lots of photos in the book as well? There aren't really that many. It's not that kind of book. There are, I don't know, like 20 or 30 photos. They're black and white. Yep. I kind of thought, I'm just going to do a black and white thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I think the tone of the book suggested this, you know, more inward looking um, feeling. So I thought, you know, black and white photos. So I've gotten, taken some some color and, and turned them into black and white. Okay. Um, my, my good friend and, and, you know, the best Van Halen photographer in the world, uh, Niels Lozauer, gave me the, the, the photo for the cover, which I, I just think it's, it's so beautiful. I mean, if, if you look at Ed's, anybody who's seen the cover, you know, it's not Ed with a huge smile. It's, it's Edward, you know, looking kind of in, yeah. introspective. I mean, it's an understanding Edward, you know. That's up, exactly yeah. the tone uh, this one I wanted. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just so perfect. 
And you know what else I love is the way that the, the cable kind of runs over the top of his shoe. Yeah. You know, I, I just, yeah. to me, that's, it's just perfect. And what I didn't realize when I, when, when I actually chose this photo from Neil was that uh, my art director, um, a guy named Daniel Gray, a very talented person who I actually met through Neil, He's working with Neil uh, on his upcoming book of all color photographs of Ed, uh, which will be called um, Ed by Slows. And I've seen those photos and they're just, yeah. oh my God, they, they are just unbelievable. Yeah. So I chose that photo, but um, Daniel put it together. And, and but what I didn't realize in, in choosing it is that well, Daniel put the, 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 the text in that spot. I didn't realize that was a chalkboard. Oh, really? I just think that, that it's just oh, so really? cool that it worked out like that. And in fact, somebody suggested, oh, would it looked cool if the font looked like chalk? I thought, wow, that really would have been cool. So, you know, it's a chalkboard, right? You can see down below where the chalk would yeah, sit, yeah. you know, in the little, yeah, little yeah. curved. Uh, yeah. So, um Wow. Yeah, so I, I, I love that. Um, That's great. <laughs> uh, right, my, my original point, oh, about the photos. Yeah, um, yeah so there's, a, there's you know, maybe a couple dozen. Um, there's some photos of Edward and me. Some of these photos people have seen, some they haven't. I've also gone through some of my memorabilia um, of, of sort of Van Halen related and some related to topics I mentioned in the book which okay. aren't specifically, uh, you know, linked to Van Halen, but I think people will dig seeing that stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, I could have gotten a bunch of photos and done that. I thought it, it's really not that kind of a book. And there's other books, you, you know, yeah. uh, the eruption book, well, the three eruption books, yeah, also right? This one. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah that's Neil's. Yeah. And then, it's funny because I, I, I have that book and I look through it and there are photos from that session, from that session that I took that photo from, but oh. that photo um, had, was not in, it's not in Neil's book, and I've never seen it used anywhere. So I'm going to say it's a never before seen Neil's Lozauer photograph. Oh, well. If somebody can prove me wrong, I'll admit <laughs> to it, but I think at this point in time, I'm going with, uh, hey, you've never seen this fucking photo before, people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's some, there's some really beautiful photos in there. Uh, there's a couple of the photographers in there uh, whose photos I'm going to be using. Yep. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's not a photo heavy book. It's really not that kind of a book. Um, so, you know, don't be expecting that. But the, the photos that you see will be very cool. And, and I know you'll dig them. Yeah. No, like I was saying at the start, you know, I really can't wait to, to have it in my hands. Cool. Yeah. You know, my, my, at first the book was going to be an eight and a half by 11 format. So an eight and a half by 11 format of 500 pages, you know, it's like, you know, you need like a, you need like a roadie to carry it for you. And um, for some reason I, I changed my mind. I thought an eight and a half by 11, besides the fact that it'd be a little unwieldy, unwieldy might look a little bit too much like a textbook. Textbook tend to be oversized. And so, you know, I, I finally came to, reside on, on on six by nine again which is pretty standard yep. and even though it's a really thick book um i i think it you know it works really well so i'm really happy with it i, I can't wait to see it mm. um you know like i said I'm, I'm hoping to have copies you know in, in the next couple of months so i mean it, it'll be as much a kind of a birth and everything else for me as it will for the people waiting to read it so yeah, yeah. And, and so pre-orders are available now aren't they yeah, that, that's what I've been doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah taking pre-orders, and um, yeah, it's been it's been really great, and really what is really amazing to me, and something I've always fed off of, is people writing to me or making comments about my stuff that they've read. When I was writing for Guitar World, I actually printed my name and address in there, and the editor said, "Man, don't do that." You know, people are going to write to you and they're going to say shit. And this, I go, hey, I, I, I want to do this. Because I remember before I started writing, I remember writing a couple letters to some of the writers that I can remember at Guitar Player. Yeah. And I never heard back from them. And I said, and I thought, you fucking weasels. 
you know, you can't, you can't respond to a letter. And I know how hurt I was by that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, if I ever get to the point where I can write a story and somebody writes to me, I am going to absolutely sure, make sure that I respond to them. And so I had, I mean, there were lots of people writing. I responded to every single person personally. This was in the days when, you know, I could have typed it and I hand wrote every, yeah. every response. And I had a couple people write to me saying, hey, man, I have those index card you wrote to me, you know, when I wrote you a guitar world. I wish I still had it. Yeah. I mean, that to me is uh, everything. You know, somebody yeah. that, that followed me. Sorry, man, I'm like <laughs> tearing up here. That's okay. Somebody that would follow me from the days of guitar world. I mean, we're talking, you know, this is 84. You know, I mean, there's no longevity in this world anymore, right? It's all, you know, Instagram and 10 seconds and nobody wants to read anymore. So the fact that that these people remembered and they, you know, reached out. And beyond that, when people send their PayPal, they'll write a little note. I can't wait to read the book. Thank you for doing this. You've done so much. I mean, yeah. That means everything to me, so I'm touched by that stuff. Are you shipping worldwide? That's an excellent question. So, obviously, I'm shipping to the U.S., and figuring out shipping to the U.S. is simple. You know, um, books can ship, you know, as you may know, uh, books can ship, uh, well, maybe you don't know, I'm sorry. (laughs) In, in, In the U.S., you can ship a book media, which is, you know, a, a lesser rate. I guess I figured we're going to ship a book. We're going to, you know, you can spend less on, on postage. So shipping, you know, the book in the U.S. is a fixed rate. So then what I wanted to do, because I, the last thing I wanted to do is somebody come back to me and say, oh, man, you're ripping me off. Why are you charging me so much to ship a book to Sweden or Italy, you know? That's the last thing I wanted to hear. So I went to the post office like three times, and, and I didn't have the book in hand. Yeah. But I had a pretty good idea of what it would weigh. So I found some, a book that, that was similar in size and weight and took it. So one person says, yeah, man, to ship that book to, um, in fact, us, I'm going to use Australia yep. because you guys are the most expensive because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. the farthest away, right? That's right. So I go to one person and they said, yeah, man, that's going to cost $105. I go, $105 to ship one book. And they go, yes. Yeah. I go, there's no cheaper way. And they said, not without tracking. I wasn't going to send a book without tracking because sure as hell, the book's going to get lost. Someone's going to scream, where's my book? You know what I mean? So it had to be with tracking. Then I went to somebody else and said, how much is this book to Australia? Cheapest way, $75. Went back a week later. How much is this book? $75. So a book shipped to Australia is $75, man. And that's what it is. Again, it's like a four-pound book. If it was a pound book, maybe it cost 50 bucks, but Australia is expensive. I do ship pretty much everywhere in the world, you know. Primarily, um, it's been, you know, Europe, which kind of, you know, makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and shipping to Europe, I mean, it's also, it's, it's not cheap. It um, it's a little cheaper. It's about 40 bucks. Yeah, so I shipped to Europe. I, shipped, I have one ship uh, to Japan. And in fact, the person who bought this book was an old editor of mine um, oh, well. uh, when I wrote for a magazine called Player, yeah. uh, Mr. Nagata. Mr. Nagata, if you're watching, <laughs> I hope you're well. Um, I mean, he was fantastic. In fact, the first Van Halen story I ever had published was in Player. When was it? 77? Um, 78. 77. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, I, I didn't even have that issue. And uh, I asked him if he could find that issue, and he sent it to me, which is unbelievable. So, yeah, so I'll ship around the world. I'll ship to Russia, you know, South America. Um, You know, and and again, one or two people have complained. You're going to get complaints, and, you know, I can only do what I can do. Um, Trust me, man, if I could ship the books for free, I'd do it. Um, But it it is what it is. I sell guitar picks on uh, eBay. And to ship one guitar pick that weighs, you know, what, minus an ounce, I mean, weighs less than a breath of air with tracking is 15, 
is, I, I don't know, I, I forget, it's like 18 or $20. That's yeah. in a little padded, uh, you know, so I mean, crazy. shipping internationally is expensive. Yeah. And now there's, you know, some different regulations about COVID. I'm not talking about countries where, where you can't ship, but, but yeah. COVID now restricts you to have to mail packages certain ways. And yeah. Australia is, is one of those countries. Um, it has to be sent, and I don't know specifically, but it has to be sent like, Spe uh, special Express or Priority, it can't be sent like normal e uh, international for some reason. I don't yeah. know. I, you know, go talk to your Australian post office. <laughs> but you know, yeah. because of that, it, you know, it makes it expensive. But um, yeah. you know, I mean, I try to give people breaks and cut the cost. You know, I mean, I try to, you know, realize how much money that is. And I'm, I'm hoping they'll get the book and read it and go, yeah. It, it was worth it. It was worth about seventy-five dollars. You know what I mean? So, oh, hundred percent. That's that's what I hope. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think I know a lot of people, yeah. a lot of die-hard Van Halen fans, you know, will spend anything to get these stories that you've got, uh, just by going off what you've spoke about today, what you've seen on YouTube. It's incredible. Well, I hope so. I mean, you know, if they've dug the stories um, that they've read, my interviews and and the YouTube stuff. I mean, I think the book is like you know, 10 times deeper, everything yeah. you never saw, everything you never heard, um, you know, it's there. It, it, it's funny because when I got the YouTube channel together, um, I didn't want to put up any of my Edward Van Halen stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, that was, I don't know, man, there was something really special about those interviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of that stuff I put up there was special. I mean, there's a Jimmy Page interview up there uh, David Gilmore. I mean, uh, you know, I love doing those interviews. You know, they were, you know, they meant a lot to me. But but Edwards' interviews, man, was something else. And then I, you know, I thought, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put one up. I think it's a, I think that's one that still might be up there. That that early one, yeah, seventy eight, seventy seventy eight, right? And um, you know, I am leaving the United. I listen. Is that it? Yeah, that was the seventy eight one. <laughs> I had it on my iPad. Yeah. You have it there. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, you, you know, man, you, you live with something. You know, you're the person that, that made this painting and you've lived with it. And you look at it and you go, wow, man, I, it, 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 that's a beautiful painting. I, I, I did a really good job. Yeah. But, yeah. but you don't know what eyes someone else is going to bring to that painting. You don't know what someone's going to see or how they're going to interpret that. And so, you know. I mean, I thought the interview was amazing, and I always thought my interviews with Edward were amazing, but I didn't know how people would see them. Maybe they think they were corny or, or superficial, or why is this guy talking like that? You know, I didn't know, but I put that up there, and the response was, I was overwhelmed. I mean, I was like, oh my God, people, I mean, they, they maybe love this interview more than I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they, they, I mean, I could. I mean, the responses were so genuine and honest. I, I mean, I was like, "My God, this guy means that much to them." Yeah. And you know, it made me realize, God, this guy, amongst all the people I've interviewed, and the only person I've never interviewed on on that level was Clapton. Yeah. But I've interviewed yeah. Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page and Blackmore and Pete Townsend and David Gilmore. Um, you know, I'm looking around my room. I have all these pictures yeah, yeah. of here. You can maybe see some yeah, of the bottoms someone. of them. Um, you know, Gary Moore and Paul Kossoff and Mick Ronson, you know, Robin Ford, you know, um, Everyone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hundreds yeah. of them. Yeah. And these guys are special. But with Edward, it, it, it was, it was beyond that. It was people loved him and adulated him because of his guitar playing. But as a, as a person, they, they were in love with him. They, the, the adulation was, I mean, they loved him like, like a brother, like yeah. a member of the family. For sure. and, and I had never experienced that with fans when I was around these guitar players or seeing fans around them when I was around them, you know, this is an entirely different thing. So when I read, read those responses, I was like, oh my God. And maybe part of me at that point was, you know, maybe part of me was, got, you know, was, was um, moved to think, 
hey, maybe the book, you know, now that I'm thinking of it, maybe, maybe the book would mean something to these people and resonate with them, you know, on, on that level. And if it could resonate with them, then it, it's a book that I really want to write because that, you know, touching somebody, you know, like I said, having somebody respond is what was everything to me. I mean, you know, so, um, yeah, I, I, you know, so putting that, that interview up um, w w was, was pretty amazing. And, um, you know, the fact that people could see through it and interpret the relationship, the friendship that we had and see that thing that was there, yeah, you know, exactly. that was that was pretty great. I hope I answered your question. I know I might have wandered a bit. <laughs> no, there. no, you did. So uh, sorry about that. Yeah, for sure. But oh, cool, like you're saying, I mean, Eddie's been a, a huge influence on myself. Yeah, playing guitar. I mean, I've got my wall behind me here, painted uh, Van Halen. Any tattoo I just saw? It's actually my son's name. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Was he named after Ed? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And when he passed, he's the only person I think of that I can think of that I've actually cried for a few days. Well, he wasn't a family member. I met him once in '96, just briefly at a meet and greet, and that was it. But so having this book and learning all these other stories. Sorry, now I'm starting to tear up. <laughs> um, it's really going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Well, you know, hearing you say that, I think, I think two things. I think it's far and away the best writing I have ever done in my life. And I've written, I don't know, man, five million words in my life. I've written 500 interviews, like I said, with every guitar player, every band you know, just about in existence. I've written for magazines all over the world. I've written seven books previously. I wrote a book on Randy Rose. I wrote one on Jeff Beck. Uh, I wrote one on Black Sabbath. And those books were meaningful to me. Mm. Um, and they were hard books to write. No book is easy to write. But typically I could, you know, I, I could finish one of those books, you know, writing a couple hours a day. I mean, I, I, I could get, get through a book and, you know, probably three months, maybe four months. Like I said, this book took me 14 months writing every single day yeah. and every page was torture. Not that I didn't know what to say, but that I, I, I knew I had to say, I had to say the perfect thing and I had to write it the perfect way because of people like you who were so touched by Ed and so obviously touched by his passing and his music. I thought, you know, and I'm not trying to be corny about it, you know, but it's like I had this, I had this responsibility mm. that that there was no one else in the world that that could have written this book, you know. Mm. So it's like I, I, I honestly, man, I, I poured over every word, and um, at the end of the day, I could not have written. I couldn't have. There wasn't a better book in me to write. I mean, it it's all there on the page. And, you know, for people like you and, and the people listening, man, I hope I did my job because if I disappoint you, I, I, I mean, it would it would tear me up inside. Look, I know people are going to read that book and they're going to see what Ed had to say about Michael Anthony or Dave and go, you fucking asshole. What do you hey, I get that. You know, yeah. but again, I was being honest and I was, you know, I could have let, left that stuff out. Yeah. And to me, that would have made less of a book. So I, I, I really took a truly personal, you know, interest in the book and, and, and trying to write the greatest book that I could. Greatest, I mean, the best book that I could possibly write. And I did. I mean, mm -hmm. I had no better book left than me. And at the end of the day, 500 pages later, there it is, you know, to reiterate again, then what I want you to feel is everything that I felt. Yeah. And, you know, the, the absolute joy of being in his presence. And not just because he was the most remarkable guitar player on the planet. And of course that was part of it, but because he was this, I like to think that, that if he never played guitar, that we still would have been friends. Yeah. He, he was, he was so supportive, you know, and Hey man, I, I am probably one of the more, you know, insecure people on this planet. And he always dealt with it so delicately. Mm. You know, and it's like, I, you know, I'd say stuff to him, man, and, you know, he'd hear it, and he just, you know, he would never make you feel funny about your feelings. And I know, I know for a fact, 
that he dealt with the band the same way. Mm. I know the shit that he got from Dave. I mean, I know. Look, I'm not taking anything away from Dave. Dave was a huge part of that band. Dave wrote lyrics and melodies. But at the end of the day, no one, no one loved that band like Edward did. That band was Edward Van Halen. You know, people say, now it's Dave's band. That's bullshit. They, they don't, if they say that, they, they don't understand. So I know the shit that Dave gave him, you know, and I, I write about that and Edward talks about it. And, you know, Mike Anthony, he loved Mike and he says that over and over. There were things that Mike did that bothered the hell out of Ed, but Ed always tolerated it and he always put up with it and he always tried to make it work, you know. And I saw it with Alex and I saw it with, I didn't see it with Alex. He told me about Alex and his relationship with Valerie. Look, I'm sure that Ed was no walk in the park all the time because his first love, let's face it, was music. Yeah. So being married to somebody like that must have been impossible. But, so he was this very special guy. And I was, and I tried to bring that out as much as the, the, the music thing, you know, and mm. let people understand who that person was. Because that a lot of that you don't get maybe in these other books, you know. Yeah. You get the musician, Edward. Um, yeah, man, it, it, it was an, it was an extraordinary challenge. Yeah, yeah. And there were points when I thought, I'm never going to finish the book. And I think I said that because I never wanted to finish the book. Because if I don't finish the book, nobody ever reads the book. Yeah. And if nobody ever reads the book, in my mind, I've written the greatest book ever on Edward Van Halen, right? Yeah. I write a song and nobody hears it but me playing it in my bedroom. That's, that's better than a Beatles song. That's better than an Aerosmith song, right? Yeah. Nobody hears it. It can be anything you want, you know? Yeah. You hear that a lot from people. Hey, man, you know, I just write for myself. Look, I, I suppose there's nothing wrong with that. To my mind, a creative entity, if you're creating something, you want other people to hear it. Uh, you know, if you write a book, if you write anything, you want other people to read it. If you do a painting, you want other people to see it. If you do a sculpture, you want other people to look at it. Yeah. You wouldn't do a podcast if nobody was listening. Yeah, that's right. I don't think. Yeah, that's right. You know, and if you did, you're just a certain, it's a, just a different kind of personality, one that I don't understand. Yeah. doesn't make it wrong, just makes it, makes it different. So anyway, man, yeah, you know, for people like you, and again, the people listening, I put everything into this book. There was no page left unturned. You know, the fingers were numb and... <laughs> You know, I pulled out every good word I, I, I had in my head to, to, to make this thing, uh, you know, be a be a beautiful book, really. Yeah. Well, I know I'll be uh, yeah. pre-ordering it today. So. I hope so. You know, again, and, and not trying to sound like a, a weirdo or, you know, some spiritual person. I'm, I'm not that kind of person, you know, or destiny or, you know, that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, in writing the book, obviously, I'm listening to these interviews and those memories of those moments are coming up page after page. And Ed would say that and go, oh, God, I remember that, you yeah. know. And, and the, you know, just remembering the moments were both amazing and, and, and really hard. So as I'm writing, you know, I'm thinking, well, one, I, I you know, I, I've got to be in completely satisfied that this is the best book I could possibly write. Yeah. And I've gone back, you know, and I've, before the, the book uh, goes to the to the printers, you know, and I'm tweaking a word there and I'm tweaking that, you know, and twisting this around. So the book had to be perfect in my mind. I'm hoping that it will, you know, really, you know, touch something in the in the readers. Because again, without a reader, there's no book. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, again, and this is the weird, strange part, you know, I think if I had written this book when Edward was here, what would he have thought of the book? Mm. You know, and are there bits in there that he would have gone, that's not true, or I never said that, or why would you write that, you know? Mm. I, I mean, I think about that, or I think, you know, Edward, you know, again, being crazy about it, you know, Edward in heaven looking down and, and looking at that, you know. I mean, I thought about that. I mean, obviously, I... I thought about it. I thought, you know, if, if this was a book I wrote back in 85, and it wouldn't have been that book, it would have been a different book. But let's say it was the book I wrote, you know, what would Ed have thought? And I honestly believe Edward would have said, yeah, man, good book. Yeah. Or, Edward's word for something that um, 
he thought was fantastic. When I ask him, when I say, Ed, my God, your solo was unbelievable. His first response would be he, he'd almost be embarrassed by it. And his second response is, yeah, it was neat. Yeah. Neat yeah. is how he would, you know, uh, define, you know, the greatest fucking solo you'd ever heard in your life. <laughs> so he, I, I think he would have said, yeah, man, it was, it was neat. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's honestly, that was a, that was a yardstick for me. So, I mean, I know I've jumped around here a little bit, but I, I really, really tried hard to, uh, to write, to write a, a fantastic book, you know, something that I, I, I hope that, that, you know, readers will love. That, Ed, if you're watching that, I hope you're digging it, buddy. I am actually finishing up kind of the artwork and the graphics. Okay. So you need someone who understands, if you're doing a book yourself, unless you know how to use these the software, one's called InDesign, oh, yeah. which is kind of a, I guess, a pretty common software to use while making books. I mean, you have to know how to use that mm. to, you know, to put your book together. I mean, I can't, you know, you can't just ship off a word doc to a printer, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you need somebody who knows how to do that. This art director, Daniel Gray, that's what he does. I mean, he's done, you know, campaigns for um, motorcycle, Honda and um, Nestle's, you know, chocolate. I mean, huge companies. So he's, fan he's fantastic. Yeah. But, you know, like, it, it takes a certain amount of time. Once the printer has it, it's about a six or seven week turnaround so even if they had it today i wouldn't have it in my hands probably for two months so yeah where are we february march mm. you know man so that's why i keep vacillating whenever i put up a post i kind of say first i said you know kind of march april then it's like april may and now it's like may june yeah to anybody who's listening and if you bought a book as soon as i have that freaking thing in my hand You'll have it, you know, with, uh, I'll have it mailed out within the week. I'm going to make sure I get all the books, you know, mailed out. But yeah, man, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to, to hold it, you know, then it, then it becomes real. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it becomes really real, and, you know, so. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's well, exciting, scary, scary, but exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Uh, I had a really good time. I hope you got what you needed. No, I did for sure, 100%. But thank you very uh, much. Sure. Hopefully, maybe once it's all released, you know, maybe later on in the year, have you on again if you're interested. Be more than happy to do that. Absolutely. Great. That'd be perfect. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. Absolutely. Well, cool, man. Thank you, Adam. You I'll, take care of yourself. Yeah, I'll be in touch real soon with an order. Sounds good, man. All right. Thank See you. See you later. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.